0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to hearts, full of positivity for another week, well we'll we'll skip the last one, Uh, after another fantastic hearts performance and um, barring one dodgy result, uh, it's been fairly good recently, Uh, the man joining me, Mark Donaldson.
1: (laughs) It has, Um, (laughs) it's like a yo-yo isn't it, up down, up down, but when when the downs happen it's the end of the world and I, it's weird i find myself really really happy and celebrating the goals like they were more than goals against st Johnson at mm. the weekend i don't know why i don't know why that
0: was i just got a i got a big buzz out of that win and it was it was a big win and i, I mean i say it's been more positive positive than not recently and it has i mean Midweek, we were were doom and gloom. Well, I should say after the last midweek game, which was the Dundee defeat. And quite rightly so. It was pretty dreadful. Poor performance, really poor result. And it's fine margins just now, isn't it? Because, you know, Hearts haven't been, I suppose, setting the heather alight um, week in, week out. But they've been getting positive results, some solid performances. But when you're in that sort of position, especially after the run we were on, it does just take one truly awful game like the dundee defeat which is what it was pretty awful to then set everything back and suddenly people are well actually that's been coming because of x y and z and the livingston game wasn't much better but when you get results you get away with that and i think the big thing and we're going to speak about it in a bit of detail that we can focus on this week is it wasn't just getting a result I think it had the performance to go with it.
1: And that's what it was all about. It was getting that performance too. We weren't going to complain. If we'd won that game and it was a scrappy 1-0, we would have taken it. But I think to get the second goal in the manner, and I watched it again. I watched both goals again. uh, Especially the the, the first goal was a lovely, lovely goal. And the the, the second goal with pace, I loved that goal as well. Now, that was a good 2-0 win. And the performance was very good. But the fact that we limited a team who are better than Dundee and are better than Livingston to nowhere near as many chances, if any at all, as Dundee and Livingston had, because in a way we made Dundee and Livingston look good because we were awful. And in a way, the Livingston result kind of papered over the cracks. But as I said last time out, I'd rather it was that way around and we progress in the cup. But St. Johnston was, for me, it was about getting three points first and foremost. And a performance was not expected and not required uh, to get us kind of back in the good books, but very welcomed.
0: So we are going to focus um, quite a bit on the result against St. Johnston and the performance that went with it. Uh, We're also going to talk this week about your nightmare away trips, which was the homework posed to you last time. we got some really good feedback on that one and we'll also look ahead to the Kilmarnock game which comes up next for the Jambos. So first up, Hart of Midlothian against St. Johnson at Tyne Castle and there was a lot of doom and gloom, there was a lot of negativity around uh, the team and Craig Levine was getting quite a bit of stick, I suppose in particular focused on his comments about David Vanacek and a certain Mr. Michael Stewart um, was having a little go at Craig Levine, and you know that tit-for-tat that has been going between those two for some time. Um, So there was quite a lot riding on this game, I think, for Hearts and for Craig Levine, because uh, I think he would have been feeling the pressure, both from his fans um, and the press itself. And he's not a man to, to, to take these things to heart too much, but I think he would have been aware... That because of the way Hearts had ended last year very poorly until the really till the Hibs win and with that Dundee defeat, that people were starting to doubt whether he was going in the right direction. Of course, those doubts might return, but to be playing a St. Johnson side who were kind of polar opposites to Hearts, they started the season terribly, and Tommy Wright was having doubters, which is ludicrous considering what he's done with St Johnston, with very limited resources relatively speaking they went into that game 6 games undefeated on the road 6 games without conceding a goal on the road and with the best away form in the league bar none better than Rangers, better than Celtic, better than Aberdeen, better than Hearts so the best away team in the league coming to Tynecastle now that's quite a pressure game and Mark we spoke on the podcast about potential lineups neither of us really picked what Levine ended up going with and um, I'm sure you'll be the first to admit as well, and I will when I saw the team and when I messaged you and told you the team we were um, not feeling overly confident and in particular we had some doubts about a couple of players in there, so we made five changes he we went with a three four two one. out went Shocknessy, Mitchell, Morrison Vanacek, Kina from the Dundee defeat, and in came John Suter, we expected that, Bozanic, not really surprising with Haring still out. Stephen Naismith, we assumed he would come back after suspension. But the other two, Jake Mulroney and Marcus Godinho. Now, it probably shows maybe what we know about picking a football team, Mark. Or, um, the fact that these two were the ones that we had our doubts about. And very quickly, they looked like Hart's two best players.
1: I don't think, if we're honest, we were the only two no. that had our doubts. And they repaid everyone for having doubts about them with, with excellent performances, Mulraney especially.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe he's a guy who needs to start games and finds it harder to come off the bench. Uh, the bottom line is we haven't seen that much from him. And he played well. He played well. And so did Godinho, unlikely goal scorers, Godinho and um, Callum Morrison, which, which is great. We'll get to the team selection in a second. As, as far as Craig Levine is, is concerned, and you're speaking about pressure, Hearts were behind St. Johnston going into the game. Yep. Hearts would have been four points behind St. Johnston if they'd lost. So, yeah, there was, there was pressure. Um, so I think for Craig to select the players that he did and to get a result deserves a lot of credit for that because there's a lot of people who will jump down the throats of managers who get team selections wrong. No one's going to get it right every single week. And when you get a defeat or you don't play well, that to me was a performance that rewarded Craig Levine's trust in his players. And you could argue there's more than one way to skin a cat. And there's, there's, there's no knowing if, if either of the teams that, that you and I had had, had in mind would have been successful as well. But let's take a a, a a more in-depth look at what he did with the team. So he went three at the back, and I, I, I think as the season's gone on, we've, we've learned things, um, sometimes that we didn't know, sometimes that we thought we knew, but we weren't sure. I'd be loathed to put Michael Smith back to the right-hand side now. I think we've found... It's like Haring. We brought Haring as a centre-back, and, and he's turned into a fantastic holding midfielder for us. Michael Smith has has turned into a minimum 7 out of 10 centre-back when he's played there, whether it's as a 2 or whether it's as a 3. So, if it is better Smith and Suter going forward, that might mean patience from Shognese, from Di Camona. Who knows? He also went with Mulraney on the left-hand side. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, I remember Mitchell was earlier this season against Livingston, played on the right, was that the game, the 0-0? Yes,
0: that's and correct, yeah.
1: missed the penalty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, was Garuccio on the left that day? And I think that would have been a four, wouldn't it,
0: because... He would have been at left-back and Mitchell was so, right yeah. midfield and Naismith a, was yes. left.
1: So I think that's the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, because off the top of my head I'm not sure, you've been to, to most of the game, so maybe you can remember... Is that the first time we have played with either a left-back or a left-wing-back who's not Mitchell or Garuccio this season? Um, it must be one of the few times of it.
0: It's, it's one of the few if it is. I couldn't say categorically. I mean, we definitely haven't played... I'm, I'm almost certain we haven't played with a left-back who's not one of them. Whether we've played at that kind of 3-4 or, you know, because we... It's basically the old 3-5, but people now call it like a 3-4, 2-1 or whatever you want to. But that left-hand side, maybe, but I would have to double-check.
1: Okay, so it's something different. Now, last week, we were looking for something different. I came up with Suter maybe as a, a holding midfielder. You countered that with comments that Craig had made when he was at Dundee United, which is fair. You don't get forward in life by standing still. You've got to come up with solutions and ideas. Not all of them work, but some of them are worth trying. Now, they didn't try to there. Fine, no problem. What was tried worked. No problem with that whatsoever. So, kudos to, to Craig Levine for that. But that's interesting. We didn't play with one of the two left-sided full-backs, wing-backs, whatever. There, we we went with Jake Mulraney. So, that was interesting. Uh, that gave us more of uh, an attacking sense on that side. And with Godinho on the right, that gave us more of a, a kind of defensive attributes on that side. So, There is an imbalance there as far as defensive attributes is concerned, but it's an imbalance in word only because I thought it worked and it'll be interesting to see if that's the formation that Craig Levine thinks can work at Rugby Park as well on Friday night.
0: I've just been skimming through my match notes and you're right. We've never played either the back three um, having the left-sided wing back as someone who's not show, or... Mitchell or having the actual left-back. We've played people in left midfield or left wing, but it's always been with a four if it's been different. So, yeah, the first time this season that we've yeah, had someone, someone else on that side, certainly from the start of the game. Um, and it was interesting to see because, I mean, in the first half, uh, I suppose, our two real chances. One was Godinho with a header, which was tipped over by Xander Clark, coming from a Mulraney cross. And the other one was a beautiful pass from Arno Dume, which Cut through the Saints' defence and put Mulraney in, and it was a tight angle, a decent save in the end by Clark uh, once again. But they were certainly both getting up and supporting. So in an attacking sense, yeah, they they were terrific. And St Johnston, I mean, we don't we're not going to focus too much on St Johnston, but um, they made one change to their side who beat Livy midweek, and that was Liam Gordon coming in for for David Wotherspoon. So they kind of went to match up with Hearts. They went three five two. One thing that surprises me a little bit about Saints, they have a tendency to play Liam Gordon against us, the former Hearts youngster. And he's, he seems a, a capable player, but I'm not quite sure he's as, he's as good as others in a Saints team. And I thought it was strange that St. Johnson seemed to adjust their lineup because of how Hearts had lined up almost, because they were really disappointed from the, from the off. They never got involved. And um, I know you said we didn't give them many chances. They didn't get a shot on target. The stats show they had two shots the whole game, and they never once got a single shot on target. They were really poor. I thought, uh, you know, I expected, I didn't expect St Johnston to come to Tynecastle and dominate possession and tear us open, but I thought they'd be solid and they'd cause some problems for us on the break or set pieces, but they didn't trouble us much.
1: I like listening to the the Sportsline podcast on my way to and from work on on BBC Radio Scotland. And I was listening to it in, in midweek. And the interesting thing that struck me was the comments from, I think it might have been Willie Miller, whoever it was who, who was at the game, was saying that St. Johnson were, were lucky to get the win. They posed absolutely no attacking threat whatsoever. And in the second half especially, they were hardly over the opponent's, um, well, they were hardly over the halfway line into the opponent's half. Now, I didn't see the game. I didn't see the highlights of that one. By all accounts, there weren't many. Maybe they decided to tweak things in a a bid to try and inject more positivity. But that change with Liam Gordon coming in. I mean, Gordon played at centre-back. So, I don't know. The bottom line is that we didn't allow them to play. And we don't want to speak too much about St. Johnston. um, Because we've beaten them by two goals to nil as I said just a couple of minutes ago, is <laughs> is that the formation? Is that the team to go to Killy with? Because we both said for the Livingston Cup tie, if it ain't broke, then it doesn't need fixed. And the only tweak was due to the injury to, to, to Haring. But a couple of changes were made to that. Um, Dika Mona went out from the Hibs game and in and came Shognasi. And, uh, and he, he tweaked a couple of things around. So just because... You've won a game, and just because you found a formation that worked for one game, there's no guarantee that'll be either the team or the formation that goes and faces
0: Kilmarnock. And we will look at the team that Hearts will put out against Kilmarnock, or what we we think Hearts might do, uh, a little later in the show. I I mean, a couple of other things to go over in terms of the St. Johnston game. So second half, I thought Hearts continued to play well. I think the first half they'd been solid. They hadn't um, been, I suppose, creating many clear chances. But they started the second half with a bit of purpose. Uh, Sean Clare was unlucky. He cracked the post. Um, And then the goal came pretty early in the second half. And it was a really good goal, actually, um, when you watch it from from start to finish. And it, it, it begins with the man who you've just mentioned, Michael Smith in the centre of the Hearts-back three. And one thing we've highlighted before, it, more so when Souter was absent, but still important, even when he's there, is the fact that he's a player who will get his foot on the ball and look for a pass, more so than the likes of Christoph Berra, who's more of your old school centre-back, get rid of it. And he picks out a lovely 50-60 yard cross-field ball to Marcus Godinho who shows great control. I was really impressed with his chest control. I didn't realise just how much he was going to then improve upon that played into Naismith, nice bit of interplay, back to Suter, and what a lovely pass. You know, that's maybe the type of thing we've sometimes been missing without Suter is a defender who can not just step out of defence and play a decent pass, but can play an absolute delightful pass that the best attacking midfielder in the world would be proud of, right over the top of the defence, super control, and kept his composure well on his less favoured left foot Codinho to slot it in, and I just thought it was a wonderful goal from start to finish.
1: We've missed a centre-back being able to pass the ball accurately. And we've got one back, John Souter. but it was Michael Smith, as you said, that, that played the initial ball. So to have two ball-playing centre-backs, and John Suter is still, for me, by far and away the best mm-hmm. yeah. ball-playing centre uh, or pass, passer of the ball that, that we have. But I, I would never turn down a centre-back who can pass a ball accurately. And I, I just think of Michael Smith, I don't know. Sometimes it takes a while for someone in life to find their vocation. Um, sometimes in football, it, it, it happens by accident. You're asked to play a position because someone's hurt or suspended and you're like, oh, that, that suits me. Um, it, there's, there's so many stories of that. There's so many stories of former strikers that became defenders. Paul Hartley. I was ju- <laughs> Paul Hartley at Hibbs was a right midfielder. It didn't work.
0: Well, he was he was a winger at St. Johnston, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, when... that's
1: right, yeah. A, a, a right winger slash um, right midfielder. Uh, at St. Johnston at, at Hibernian. And then they moved them more central. And and, and the rest is history. So it's funny how you, you tag. We, we always do. We always have done as, as football fans. I give you the name of a player. You give me a position. Simple as that. Michael Smith, right back. Wait a minute here. Peter Haring. Hmm. Okay, centre back. Well, he's a defensive midfielder now. So I think nowadays more than ever, you, the adaptability has to be such that you can't just excel in one position. You have to have a backup if things go wrong. Where if an emergency, you you can play there as well. Now, Michael Smith. This isn't an emergency. I think I think we have seen he's extremely capable at right fullback. But I would argue now his best position is a centre-back. And I think that those three, if we can work it, and bearing in mind towards the end of last year, when we were looking ahead to 2019, both of us said that we thought Hearts in 2019, with the players available, would be going with a three at the back because that would best suit the players that they have. And I think that three at the back, I'm not sure you change it now. If everyone's available, you've got the balance because you've got Suter, on one side, better on the other, and Smith just mopping up. I I think going forward, that has to be the the the, the cement, the base, the foundation of the Hearts
0: team. Maybe Michael Smith could be defined as a, a modern day Jimmy Sanderson. and I say this because I, I was I was slagging Jimmy um a few weeks back in commentary because I'd been looking at London Hearts and just browsing browsing through through some players, and I can't remember what the reason was at the time, but you had, you know, John Robertson, striker, Craig Levine, centre half, Henry Smith, goalkeeper, Jimmy Sanderson, versatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, true. That's what it says on London Hearts for Jimmy Sanderson's position.
1: It, it, it's true. If, if Let's let's play a brief game, okay? I'll give you the name of a player. You tell me the position you associate with the player. I'm only going to give you one. You ready?
2: Thomas mm-hmm.
1: Thomas Flogel. <laughs>
0: Bugger off! <laughs> see, it's true. See, see, see what I mean? Center forward, right midfield, right back. Um, uh,
1: yeah. I, I, there was the whole media, both rows A and B back in the day were on Thomas Flogo when we found out at 1:15 that uh, he was playing up front, and we got 33 to one on him to score the first goal, and the entire media, the whole section was up in unison. We won fortunes that day.
0: So from the poor... I like, guess
2: was it possibly? I think it Early might have been. Season?
1: I think it might have been. And we got the tip-off. Now, we've had a lot of those tip-offs. We probably all got the money back that we had put into Ladbrokes or William Hill or whoever over the years, because we'd had a few of them. That's like when you hear that X might be playing an attack. And what was it earlier this season? Was it Peter Haring was going to be playing up front? Up
0: front against, against Hibbs.
1: Right. Uh, and, and he, then, and so,
0: he did, and you,
1: sort of, yeah. <laughs> but... And that's the thing. But you sent me a message before the game along the lines of, aye, but we think he'll start an attack. But depending on what happens, the plan might be to bring him back to confuse them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait a minute here. So am I only going to get 10 minutes from a 10 quid for first goal? <laughs> so you, you get stories like that of, oh, he's, he's going to be up front. Flogo came good for us that day. But there's the prime example. Thomas Flogo was a player who would not let you down wherever you
0: played him. That reminded me of um one of those recently that the whole media were all over was uh, Callum Patterson when Hearts played Cowden Beath and Beath, the yes. The second away game against Cowden Beath in the championship season, the game where we got the record points total and Brad Mackay scored the the penalty winner, but Callum Patterson the news filtered through that Callum Patterson was going to be played as an out and out number nine. And uh, everyone in the press area was talking about... I, I saw biscuits Alan Preston down there, talking about Partison. First scorer, first scorer, anytime scorer. And uh, indeed he did. He opened the scoring uh, with a header as well. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. But there, there, there are instances like that. And one that popped up recently as well in my head, which I hadn't been aware of at the time, but someone told me afterwards, was the Auchinlecht-Talbot game in um 2012. When Fraser Mullen started, and I think it was his debut, and I think it might have been Scott Wilson, apparently in the hospitality area, had said, Fraser Mullen will take penalty kicks, get on him for a scorer. Because he was playing it right back, and the odds were pretty long on him 30 to 1 or something. And everyone apparently launched him on first goal, and Harts got a penalty, and Fraser Mullen took it, and he missed it.
1: Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> that is. <laughs> That's the worst. Everything is gone according to plan. And the only thing that needs to happen is a player needs to find the back of the net from 12 yards out and it's happy days. Your Saturday night for the next month is paid for
0: and he can't do that. Oh. Are we getting to some homework here, which could be your... your- best and worst hearts tips (laughs) why not because i'm sure there must have been some down the years i remember me and my mate putting on julian brellier to score religiously just because we were like he'll do it he'll do it he'll do it it one week and it almost got to the point where we're like you can't stop putting it on now because you know what'll happen you'll 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 stop putting it on and you'll hit a, a 30 yard raker. We, we we kept expecting he would have his Salvatore moment, you know, similar kind of position, similar type of player, that he would never score, and then suddenly score an absolute worldie. But sadly, for Brellier, it never happened and that was all but, money money down the drain.
1: That's really good homework. Best or worst bet involving a Hearts player. I remember, and this, this is one of these, I don't know about you, but if I bet on a Hearts player to score the first goal. Obviously I, I, and the whole karma thing uh, you're getting the first goal, you're putting your team ahead and, and you're winning money. That just sounds too good to be true. Something bad's got to happen. It's, it's like the whole well if something good happens then something bad has to happen to balance it out. Now was it Bet365? It was someone. It was one of the betting companies for the cup final against Gretna in 2006. I think they had, I'm sure they had, they'd, they'd overpriced Roman Bednar for first goal. Maybe they thought he was Fraser Mullen um, or some, something like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe they thought he, was, he wasn't a striker and he was a defender. I don't know why, because it's the end of the season. You usually see misprices, poor prices, or good prices for, for, um, for a punter's perspective at the start of the season or for new signings when you don't know where they're going to play. This was the last game of the season. And then uh, I, I decided I went for it, and I put I put money on first goal, last goal. I put money on any time goal scorer, and it didn't work. Now that that was just one of those. But um, a good friend of mine, Stuart Lovell, uh, does very well from, from betting because he's sensible. He he bets value. He doesn't bet every game. He doesn't bet every week. But if he sees value, his mantra is when everyone else is yinging, you should be yanging. So when the U.S. Open is on, tennis-wise, think about the Australian Open. See if there's any value. Always kind of think two or three months ahead. Not always possible in football, um, but you can get some, some right good bets. And one of the ones that – I mean, it wasn't a hearts bet that, that I, I kind of got lucky with. I remember prior to the – I think it was the quarter-final draw for the Scottish Cup. Um, Queen of the South were already through. And I noticed them at 100 to 1. So I put each way. I just thought, you know what? I think they, they need a lot of luck because of the teams that were still in it. I think they beat Aberdeen, wasn't it, in the so semi final? 4 3, yeah, yeah crazy. Yeah, though. exactly. And, and I got a 50 to 1 winner because I did an each way, 50, half, the, half the odds to reach the final. That's, that's something that's very, very rare. And as I say, when, you, when those come in, it usually balances all the money you've thrown away from your stupid bets. But that, that's a really good t- shout this week for your homework. For next week, um, the best and the worst hearts bet. When you've had this tip, uh, tip that something's going to happen and it didn't, or it did and you cashed in. Let's hear them.
0: Yep. So tweet at around the funnel uh, with your contributions, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Now Suter midway inside the Saints' half. Clips into the
2: box, looking for Coutinho, continues to run, takes it down, life is shot under the keeper, and end! Would you believe it, it's Marcus Coutinho! With his first ever goal for the Jambos! And it's a Johnston run of six clean sheets comes to an end! Hearts have been the better side, and they have found themselves in front now, lovely dig ball through by John Suter and would you believe it, it's Marcus Coutinho who'd showed some good control just a few moments ago, who dashed into the box and took the Saints defence by surprise took it down well and slipped it under the despairing attempts of Xander Clark who almost diverted over the bar but it spins into the roof of the net, hearts one St Johnston now.
0: We'll wrap up the St Johnston game uh, we've spoken about that Lovely first goal that was scored. Um, And the second goal, as well, it wasn't quite as a flowing, scintillating move, but it was well worked from the left. Naismith touched it in. Mitchell got forward well, which was good to see him. He didn't do anything spectacular here, but what he did do was the sensible thing. He ran into the space and then he cut it back to Lee, and it seemed very straightforward. But we've seen Mitchell recently losing his way a bit, maybe just going for the spectacular or just taking the wrong option. But he just rolled it inside. Uh, And Ollie Lee, in turn, sensible option, rolled it to Callum Morrison. And I don't know if there's been a player that I've wanted to get his first goal as much as Callum Morrison for quite a while. And I was so chuffed for the young lad when he fired in, really composed finish, made no mistake at all, rattled into the left corner, wrapped up the game and he celebrated with the, the old traditional... Ball under his shirt because he had a little one on the way, which has since uh, been born. I think it was after the game, wasn't it? Or it was that weekend, anyway. Um, so, double celebration for Callum Morrison, who now gets to train regularly with the senior side, I think Greg Levine said, because he's got 30 appearances. And yep. I thought it was a great way to wrap it up, not just because it meant that my score line prediction huh. came true. Albeit. Yeah, but you, you never get the correct score. scorers. No one was ever getting doesn't Coutinho and No, it doesn't
1: now. matter. It doesn't. Oh, half- by the <laughs> way, he doesn't get to train with the first team now that he's got 30 appearances because you don't just bring him in on a Saturday having not trained with the first team. He gets to use the first team dressing room because it's kind of necessary when preparing for a game to have your players all training together. Just saying that. Being pedantic.
2: Well, yeah, I get that. Get that. <laughs>
1: you sound like Professor Yappel. <laughs> that's that's one for the for the generation of 40 year olds plus who'll get that from bagpus
0: that's and that's not me that's not me
1: correct um, that's why I'm saying yes there's a generation out there that are like what who's professor Yaffle that's what you sounded like <laughs> just cu- culpability son culpability gets to use the first team dressing room I've just I've got this picture in my head now tell him shouting to a pitch that's like three miles away Callum, this is what
0: we're going to do. Callum, we've got a set piece. Callum. Okay, I get it. I get it. Childish child. Ewan Ewan Prinkle says, after listening to the last round of funnel, uh, you'll need a positive one, ASAP, and uh, obviously that came with the Johnson game. He says, better shape, style, and substitutions. Clean sheet. Academy graduate scoring, Swanson losing the plot, Levine proving, his ma- <laughs> Levine proving his man management. Excellent stuff. Hopefully they build on this for more positivity. And we are hopeful, Ewan, that they will build on this result for more positivity
2: going forward.
1: Callum! Callum!
2: <laughs> Chance for Hearts. Mitchell, left-hand side, has Vanacek with him. Lee as well. Here's Lee, 25 yards out. More to no towards time, Morrison. Casper Morrison. Oh! And it's wrapped up for the jambos. And Callum Morrison decisively scores his first goal for Hearts. Rattled into the left side of the goal. Terrific finish. Saints carved open on the counter attack. And it's the man off the bench who has finally got his first Hearts goal. He really does deserve that. Lovely finish by Callum Morrison. Game, set, and match to those in Maroon. Hearts 2, St Johnston 0.
0: Right, next up, nightmare away trips. So we posed this question last time. out, And this was not necessarily, or not focused on your bad away trips because of the result, but more the other things that could have happened. So this is travel disasters, someone getting too drunk, maybe someone got lifted, maybe it could be anything. Just when everything or some major things went wrong on your away trip. So we've had some uh, good suggestions, good bits of feedback on this. So we're going to run through some now. Um, Will Stevenson tweeted saying, Chaps, Nightmare away trips, Scottish Cup final, uh, Scottish Cup semi-final 1986 against Dundee United. Uh, I was 13 and incredibly excited, excited and has never been to Hampden before. I jumped into the car with my dad and Papa, who proceeded to get lost driving around the streets of Glasgow. <laughs> with kick-off drawing nearer and tempers getting frayed, a bus passed us with a jambo in the back and a scarf proudly on show. Follow that bus, we all cried, only to find out 20 minutes later that the bus in question was actually heading to Glasgow Airport, and said <laughs> Hearts fan was off to Magaluf, still we eventually made it to the game, albeit late. Saw John Cahoon score the winner, and I wouldn't change the day for the world. Um, traffic is a is a common one. I, I I once had to listen to the national anthem and miss the entire first half of Scotland Croatia, just sitting in congestion outside outside of Glasgow. So, no surprise that there was some travel disasters. And yeah, that's a bit of a risk. Just just follow a bus blindly. <laughs> but I guess it's a different world, isn't it? Because I mean, 1986. I, that's the year i was born i don't remember what it was like then and i'm lucky that ever since i've been able to drive you've had the option to check google maps even if you don't have maps in your car you can always do it beforehand everything's always more straightforward to find out but i guess you're talking days of of maps aren't you and-
1: yeah yeah and and excuse, excuse me for going off topic for a second um but it is a, a travel nightmare that i want to to relay to you and it's a a little bit of a segment from Stevie Nicholls' book, which I was lucky enough to write with him. And this was back in the day. Him and Alan Hansen were playing in um, Alan's brother's testimonial at Sochi. So they drove up from Liverpool and they came up the M74 and then they took a wrong turning and ended up in the east end of Glasgow. Now, Stevie was a Rangers guy as well, as was Alan Hansen. And they <laughs> they were they, they were close by Celtic Park when um, they, they kind of asked the wrong people for directions. Now, not, there was no malice involved as, uh, like, violence or anything, but the Celtic supporters, who clearly didn't fancy Liverpool much, um, <laughs> when asked where Sochi was sent them on a wild goose chase towards Loch Lomond, knowing fine. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't long before they realised they were in the wrong place and and did a U-turn, eventually got to the game. But there's a lot of traffic um, disasters. Uh, It wasn't a tweet, and I can't remember who it was, uh, once told me about their bus going to Kilmarnock, but stuck underneath a bridge. Kilmarnock seems to be one that is an (laughs) issue for for a lot of people. Um, We mentioned Neil and Ian Hunter last week. Neil kindly reminded me of us um, when Kilmarnock uh, got promoted in 92-3 we went the next year down to Killy, uh for a midweek game uh, 93-4 and because the buses weren't enough for the Pennacute Cars bus I think we all went in a car <laughs> the car broke down and we had to get towed back um, <laughs> from, from Kilmarnock so the other two that I've got for you um, about kind of away-day nightmares. I was young. It was my first trip to Petaudry, and Obviously, Dad had never been there. Mum and sister went shopping on Union Street. So Dad just found a turnstile, uh, and it was a home end. It was a game, I think it was March 86 um, when we won up there. It was February, March 86 when we won up there. I was the only, or Dad and I, were the only two that were standing up. Um, and cheering when Hearts scored and quickly had to sit down. The other one was Boghead in a League Cup tie um, way back, and that was one for any program collectors among you, and that can be homework for another week, um, your, your kind of rarest Hearts program. Dumbarton Hearts, bizarrely, is a rare program because there was a printing error, and they only printed a, a handful. But we got there late. I remember going through somebody's garden. We just got dropped off in the middle of a house in a state. And we saw the floodlights. It was the old bog head. And we we ended up in someone's garden, jumping fences, going through, honestly, <laughs> going through. There was washing on the line because it was August, I think it was. So it was still kind of a nice night. Um, it was light. The floodlights had just kind of started to, to come on. So we kind of, we knew we were in the vicinity, but we were going through, goodness knows what was hung up on the washing line, um, through gardens, over fences. And, and we got to the game, but... It's, it's far better when there's issues that can be resolved when you go to an away game um, than just a normal, got off the bus, go for a pint, go to the game, come back, boring.
0: Well, Kamarnik seems to be a recurring theme because uh, Ek, or Ekhauskas on Twitter, said, um, "Killyway 2007 uh, he, he tweeted and he said, 280 characters isn't enough to describe that hor- <laughs> that horror show, but I'll try. Killy Away was always a horror show for our band. Between one forgetting his insulin and nearly dying, <laughs> me- missing the last train and having to get a taxi back to Edinburgh, they were always a nightmare. But one just topped the lot. We had joked that things kept escalating and would do until one of us died. Well, one of us nearly did this time. It was the day of the Grand National, so I'd found a horse I was going to back at 40 to 1. Didn't have time to put my bet on before the train to Edinburgh, so I thought I would just put it on when I got into town. Train was delayed, so I didn't have time again, by which point it had dropped to 20-1. to 1. Thought I'd have to try and find a bookies uh, through there instead, or I'd miss the bus. No luck in Kilmarnock, so I cursed my luck and just started to hope that the thing wouldn't win and I wouldn't have to rue missing out on £800. Pounds. Onto the game, a pretty dire affair, which London Hearts tells me we lost 2-0. No, but... Be- <laughs> No big deal though, the three of us were more concerned with getting out of Kilmarnock alive and without incident. Wander back to the bus, which is still there, jump on and pat each other on the back to celebrate seemingly getting away relatively unhurt. Uneventful bus journey back to Edinburgh, back into Gorgie safe and sound, we'd beaten the curse, happy days. Bus pulls up across the road from Robo's and we decide to celebrate an uneventful day away in Kilmarnock with a couple of pints. How, How many us... tweets is this? This ain't 280 characters. No, this is eight tweets. Two <laughs> two of us managed to make it over the road easy. Then the third gets hit by an effing car. He, oh, gets, no. he gets up and walks away from it, but we decide we should call an ambulance anyway. Off we go to the Royal, where it turns out he's broken his leg. The cursed, the cursed waited until our guard was down, and then we tried to get out <laughs> as though we thought we were safe. Worst of all, though, the effing horse won the national at a canter.
1: Oh, raging. no.
0: I had to give X a, a good reading there because he brilliant. Took the, he took the time to tweet eight, eight times. <laughs> two, th-
1: two things about that: uh, they just when you say things, certain things trigger stupid things in my mind. One quick story again: Stevie's book, um, the Grand National. They played at eleven thirty. Then they got to go because the, the game. They used to play games at uh, at Anfield on a Saturday morning if they were at home if the Grand National was on. So depending on the result, if they won, the players would get to go. So one year they won, players went. Afterwards they're all pissed. Jo- jo- John Barnes wanted to race Alan Hansen over the fences. <laughs> so, so, but Barnes has done his hammy. Oh Barnes put, Now the rule was you had to if you got hurt at all you had to report on the Sunday. So um, Barnes he, he, he went in and and said oh that, I think I've hurt my hammy. Because he didn't complain about that after the game, said Ronnie Moran. He says, oh, "Yeah, yeah, but um, it, it, it got me last night." And he, John Barnes had told Stevie like after the event, he said, "Thank God he didn't ask me where I did it because I didn't want to say I. I was crossing the Mellon Road, Ronnie." <laughs> so that was what. And it, it, he was he was out for he was out for about a month um after after that because him and Hansen Hansen dared him to try and jump one of the fences at the national because they were all pissed. So that was one of them. Second one, going back to the betting, um, and rather than wait for next week, because in case I forget this, my brother-in-law, Graham Hare, Big Hearts fan, the weekend, we've all had weekends you look back on in life and you think brilliant or awful. This weekend was brilliant. It was Friday the 18th of May, 2012. Uh, We got married, my wife and I, in in New Jersey in 2010. There was only a handful of people there. So we had our main UK wedding reception at the Gorgie Suite um, on the Friday night, not even thinking that the cup final, when we arranged it, was going to be the next day and not even believing that Hearts would be in it. Um, So anyway, the Friday night, we had our UK reception, our wedding reception. Grant Stott showed up, good pal of mine from Radio 4th, with... Hibs Cup winning t-shirts that he wanted us all to wear and was quickly, <laughs> quickly called told to ram it. Um, but my wife has posed with him for a photo, which she still rams it down his throat because of that. And obviously four years later, he got his own back. Yes. But all that night as the beer was flowing, uh, my brother-in-law said five, one, we're going to win five, one. We're going to win five, one. So we were all checking the odds because you can get hundred to one. If you want that one." 5-1, 5-1. I goes, why do you think five, one? He goes, No idea, just 5-1. So we picked him up the next again morning. Um, We drove through, uh, me, my mum and dad, um, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. So the five of us in the car all the way through. I I don't know why, I don't know why. 5-1, 5-1. So after the game we come back. he goes, how good was that? 5-1 win. How much did you win? His face was like thunder. I said, what is it? Oh. Oh, man. I'd had four beers before the game. And I just told myself that they were not going to score, so I put 5-0 on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the kind of, the Eknowskis' the, the tweet about the curse, but getting back to you. There's <laughs> your kind of, the highest of a high, but the low of not following through with a bet. Sorry, quick couple of stories there for you, for uh, for my tangents, because we haven't had too many of them recently.
0: <laughs> Stuart McClellan Uh, tells us one as well. He says he's got a story to tell us about nightmare travels, watching Hearts. August 2015, he decided to get a bus for Inver... Well, they, we, decided to get a bus for Inverness away. Bunch of boys from Ratho who wanted to make a day of it. With the recommendation of my cousin, who helps run Broxburn Hearts, we hired a minibus uh, from a trustable company. He puts trustable um, as if it's doubtable. um, uh, Company from West Lothian. Uh, we all met at the corner, and the minibus turns up uh, with a total Ned driver, was the first. <laughs> um, we had lots of alcohol with us, and the driver was fine with it, uh, just to keep the bottles down. Um, we got on the motorway at Newbridge and went on the A9, which is the long way, which got moans from everyone, um, and then he couldn't change from third to fourth gear. They had to tell him uh, when to change <laughs> gear. Uh, they arrived at Stirling service station for a pee, and he done a handbrake turn in the service station, um, they booked a pub in Aviemore. In comes the driver, told us he'd worked a private taxi all night and asks for a beer. Um, <laughs> he got told where to go, he says. They got to the stadium, ran to the game as uh, the driver had made them late. Hearts were 3-0 down <laughs> by this point, And one of the boys was um, going to go to the bus for a drink after the third goal went in. Um, he got a call. Stuart, the bus has been taken away on a truck. The driver's getting handcuffed. He didn't have a bus licence and it wasn't safe to be <laughs> on the road. Gee, well, um, <laughs> he says they all helped each other for train fares and beer money, and uh, he used all his monthly direct debit money and stayed out in Inverness till 9 pm to get the train home, and it's still the best away day he's had. So, oh my goodness. Uh, all, all's, Ill, all's well that ends <laughs> well. <laughs> Let me
1: uh let me give you some tweets um that we, we got earlier today when I put it out that we were looking for stories. Yeah. Catch twenty two. Got on the six AM train to Inverness, had a couple of sherries, fell asleep five minutes into the first half, missed three goals, woke up at half time, <laughs> said this is piss, anyone want to go back to the pub? Game finished three all, six goal thriller and I missed the lot. (laughs) David Taylor, first time at Aberdeen and stopped at Brechin. Can he mind leaving there and how I got into the game? I do not know. All I can remember is Hart's got a penalty, and I shouted, come on, get the equaliser. And my mate next to me tells me we're two down. (laughs) (laughs) Kempi 79, attacked by Sparta Prague casuals outside a bar next to the stadium with George Fawkes. Never did say thank you to the kind lady that cleaned my nose up in the bar. <laughs> broken nose, but still managed the game. Do you Remember that trip? Oh, or were no. you not on that one?
0: No, I, I unfortunately did not make that trip.
1: They, uh, It was a good trip. Nil-nil. The game was honking. Um, that was when we kind of fell into the Europa League after the Athens debacle uh-huh. and Jamie, yeah. Jamie Moe. Um, th- some of their fans had a... It's funny. I mean, we'll get to this in in future weeks uh, as as part of kind of homework for away day stories on on in European games. But I remember Feyenoord. Their fans are notorious anyway, uh, and they try to attack Hearts fans to get them to come out a bar, a bar to fight. And the Hearts fans, look, if I've just paid seven euros for a beer, they ain't giving up. So the the Feyenoord fans fought among among themselves. But the Sparta Prague fans were were a lively lot as well. Um, Richard Stephen has sent in a tweet and I remember this game, this was a League Cup tie at Dundee, it finished 4-all and we lost on penalties um, Dundee, when Henry Smith missed a penalty, we got to the train station late and missed the last train, but we managed to get a lift from some good lads, I also missed the last train at Inverness uh-oh, and had to share a taxi with another person to Glasgow which cost £300
0: <gasps> ouch <sighs> Oh dear, we've got um, a couple more. We'll run out of time to go through everything. Um, Ali, Alistair Dobby says, very simply, travelled all the way from Minnesota to the Livy game in December. You know the rest. That's not the game you want to go to when you've travelled all the way from Minnesota. Uh, just a reminder that's the Livingston 5 Hearts nil game from uh, a month and a half ago. Um, At least the game was on. At I least suppose, the game was on. Yeah.
1: Because. Obviously, I, I don't know who this person might be. Someone who might speak with a Scottish accent, lives in Connecticut, that came over for the opening of Hart's new main stand against Kilmarnock um, last season and only stayed for four days and ultimately didn't get to Tynecastle because the game was at Murrayfield. Remember
0: that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Here's one from Maximus Hound, which you have to use your imagination for but I don't think you'll need too much Motherwell, Motherwell away, late 90s, six cans of tenants on the Heart Supporters bus run from the Royal Hotel in Pennycook, stuck in traffic leading to the ground, no toilet in sight, empty tenants can a foolish option, one <laughs> pothole later uh-uh. and then he sent two two emojis with that, one with the you know the wide eyed red cheeked face and one of an ambulance um, <laughs> hugely uncomfortable ninety minutes, no idea of result, so you know trying to use a a tenants can opened to relieve yourself and a big bump i, I yeah i, no. I don 't think I want more information on that one <laughs> no maybe- maybe
1: that was back in the day when the Royal hotel used to be nicknamed the moon because it had no atmosphere <laughs> that because we never really used to drink of there. Now it's good. Um, a good guy who I know, big Hearts fan, Cy Rennie owns the Royal and Pennycook. So much better now. Good place to go. But back in the day, I actually went there after, um, after the cup win in 2012. Um, and the place was jumping because it's weird. Pennycook's predominantly a Hearts town. Um, Hibs fans are scarce. I mean, there's a few, but there's certainly far more Hearts fans in Pennycook, uh, given its size, there's nearly 30,000 there, than there is Hibs fans. I'm sure in different parts of Midlothian and Lothian, there's towns that are like Hibs strongholds, out with Edinburgh, but Pennycook was always certainly a, a, big, hearts, um, a big hearts town.
0: Okay, last but not least, we'll look ahead to Hearts' next game, which is of course Kilmarnock, and it's a Friday night game we've um, waffled on, but I think in a good way. It wasn't just going off on tangents for the sake of it, which we've been guilty of before there was some really good stories which sparked in turn some memories from both of us so uh, it's been good however let's get back to the present day match action which is coming up so friday night football at rugby park third meeting of the season of these two sides it's a kamarnik team with just one defeat in 12 that was away to celtic they've won six in a row at home uh level on points with rangers in second spot um and hearts have just won Once away from home the last six, they've lost four. Six points behind Killey and four behind Aberdeen. So this is a big game in terms of league position. And of course, Hearts did win on their last visit to Rugby Park, which was in August, thanks to that Uche-Ikpiesu goal. Interestingly, Mark, the last seven meetings between these two sides, the home side have only won once. And that was at the end of last season when Hearts had a bunch of kids out, even... By last season standards, 16, 17 year olds getting their debuts. So the away side has generally got something out of these head to heads between the two sides. Um, how do you see this one going?
1: I'd take a point now mm-hmm. if you offered it to me. Just looking at their form, they've only lost once since the beginning of November, and that was a, a defeat at Celtic Park,
0: where ah, most. So I just teams, said.
1: Yeah,
0: lose to. <laughs> sorry.
1: That's a prime example of um, words appearing in someone's head from someone else and going in one ear and completely coming out the other ear. Um, So without wanting to uh, steal your thunder again and just repeat everything you've said, uh, I'll just say I'll take a point (laughs) and leave it there, right? How about that? Fair enough.
0: Um, Hearts played 4-4-2 the last meeting. That was the 1-0 Kilmarnock win. In November at Tynecastle, when Ross Millen scored. They also played 4 4 2 at Rugby Park in August. That's when Uche Igpezu scored. He started up top of that game with Stephen Naismith. Um, now, it was a good away win when we played there in August. I thought, although the 1 0 defeat at Tynecastle was frustrating, it was a game where Hearts had so much possession. They had a few chances. I thought there was a lot of misfortune about that one as well as the frustration. Do you see Craig Levine reverting to the four again as he has the last two games against Coman? Kamarnik? Because Kamarnik are likely to play a four four two, a four four three, a four three three rather.
1: What? A four four three?
0: A four. 4 <laughs> other, uh, G- uh, G- um, G- um, They're likely to play a four at the back anyway, and probably in a four three three or four five one, depending how you want to look at it. Will we stick with our three at the back, which has worked quite well of late?
1: Yes. 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 I think we will. I mean, why change it? You're, you're talking earlier about St. Johnson changing it to match up with Hearts um, when they have been doing all right prior to that game. So uh, that's not Craig Levine's style. He'll look at it and he'll, he'll identify certain things. They've got some good players. Obviously, no Greg Stewart now. Chris Boyd is suspended. Jordan Jones, a good player. They, they're just a, they're, they're a very, very well-coached side and they'll be the favourites going into this one, and, and deservedly so. They're six points ahead of us in the table. They're only three points behind Celtic. Uh, as we record this, this is just prior to Celtic facing yes. St Johnston. Um So, yeah, they're, they're one of the form teams right now. So I, I think we play our own game. Um, I just... I, I, I don't have a team picked, um, which I normally have for our podcast. I, I don't have one this week because... I don't know why you would change if you're happy with a performance like Hearts were and Craig Levine was against St. Johnston. It might not be the team that we would pick if all was kind of good and well and everyone was available, but there has to be an element of rewarding those that uh, that got the 2-0 win over over St. Johnston with another crack of the whip.
0: Okay. I mean, the only thing I would look at is potentially the wide areas, even though it worked very well against St. Johnston, would he be tempted to go more defensive away from home? Would Jake Mulroney be the option you'd want to have on the left side, the left wing-back role? True, uh, true.
1: Something like I, what, that is just,
0: what might come into his head.
1: Yeah, which is fine. Can you update me on and everyone else on, on Garuccio? Is it an injury that's kept him out? I'm not sure. Because he's not been on the bench either.
0: He He was not. Um, I do I do not know what his current status is.
1: Yeah, so and it's not been one that's kind of been easily available for consumption. I don't know if anybody's asked, or what, it might be a, an interesting question to 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 raise at the pre-match press conference, just so we can find out, because has not that to me done anything wrong? So no. I'm, I'm 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 with you on that. I, I think it would it would make a bit more sense because they have got threats down the wide areas. And I wouldn't fancy Mulraney defensively. Um, and I think, I think he's, he's probably a better player, but he is a better player to play when you know you're going to be in the front foot, probably at home against teams that you would think you can beat. But going to a side who are at home on a plastic pitch, who are probably going to have more of the ball, you, I, I agree with you. Um, albeit saying that, why don't we go unchanged? Um, I'm with you on that. And that if he was to make a change, it would probably be Mulraney being replaced by Mitchell or Garucho uh, ideally, if uh, if he's available.
0: Prediction? Scoreline? 1-1. One, one. Ah, I was going to say that. I was going to say for, that. For this
1: one, yeah, 1-1. One, one. Um, rugby Park's not really been the happiest of hunting grounds for Hearts. It was a good win earlier this season. Um, the way it is with the three points, you'd rather have a win and a loss than, than two draws. But for this one... I, th- I think a point's a better result for us, especially until, without wanting to get too far ahead with the games coming up. Um, oh, we've got a midweek game at home against a team we should beat. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, yeah, been there before. Dundee beat us. Livingston come on the Wednesday. So with Livingston and St Mirren still to come to Tynecastle and a trip to Motherwell, I'd take a point right now and kick on, hopefully.
0: It's funny, though. Know, I mean, yeah, rugby park is a ground that I traditionally think of as not being a happy hunting ground, but the last four visits there, their hearts have won two drawn one and they lost one, and the one defeat, as I mentioned, was when they were forced to play a, a team full of, of players making their debut or under the age of 18 basically, at the end of last season. Um, not being many goals though, three goals in those last four games, so don't expect a goal fest, although that's famous last words. So.
1: Is, that, uh, is that game last season when Connor Smith Made his debut.
0: Yeah. Come on at one thought it was. No.
1: Yeah. I, th- I thought it was, and I, I saw him doing well for for Scotland underage age sides, so the, the the kind of age level sides. And he's he's someone who I think it's worth us keeping tabs on right now because he seems to be the golden boy. And if he can keep progressing, he's doing really well for the youths. Um, if he and he's already made his first team debut, so going back to the place that, that where we did, I don't expect to see him on Friday night but he's certainly someone that I'm looking forward to following his progress over the next couple of years, and hopefully it can continue the rapid ascent that he's made.
0: That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. The only thing left to say, really, is happy birthday to Christoph Berra. When this goes out, it will most likely be just about Christoph Berra's birthday. It could be bang on his birthday, uh, 31st of January, and uh, a man who has been rewarded with a little bit of an early birthday present with a new contract extending till 2021. And that is terrific news, hopefully for Christoph himself and for Hearts. Announce Naismith. <laughs> Hashtag announce Naismith. Yes. Is that the responses that the tweet got? No, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no,
1: no. Yeah, yeah. From you. No, but how, <laughs> no, how good would that be? That's that's part one of the jigsaw. The second main part of the jigsaw is to get Naismith signed up. So um, knowing Phil and the guys behind the scenes and uh, knowing how they do things, I think if, if Naismith is to sign a new one, um, that will be an interesting one to come up with something that there'll be more than just a klaxon. And look, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm I'm not kind of uh, hinting at anything. Um, This is, this is something that hopefully speculation. happens. Speculation, pure speculation. Yeah, spe- yeah, exactly, between now and, and May. <laughs> but if I'm Phil Turnbull behind the scenes, um, then I'm sure he'll come up with something special if Stephen Naismith does announce that uh, he's, he's signed a, a contract with Hearts. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing what Phil has planned on social media for that one.
0: I really hope we do get to find out what the plan will be for that and Mr Naismith does commit his future to Hearts. That would certainly be uh, a a terrific bit of business if the Jambos were to do it. We're hoping that Hearts can put in a terrific performance on Friday night at Rugby Park. So next time uh, we're bringing you a show, we are celebrating another memorable victory. But as Mark says, we'll take a point. Until then, thank you all for joining us. We've we've went over a little bit this week, but I think it's been worth it to listen to some of the away day nightmares that you've given us suggestions for, terrific stories. So thank you all for that. And the homework for next time, which you can tweet to at around the funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk, is your best and worst heart bets. So your tips, your punts could be big, small, could be the ones that just worked out perfectly, or the even the bets that you forgot to put on, as Mark has mentioned earlier. So, So give us your feedback on that, and we'll talk through some of the best ones next time. Until then, thanks for joining. Us. Us. <laughs> <laughs>